0: Thank you. So two quick announcements. Um, First one, the KZN Equip coming up. It's the end of September, beginning of August, uh, uh, Thursday, Friday. Yes, Thursday evening, Friday evening. You can register for that. Uh, Look at our Facebook page for details. Otherwise, come and chat to any one of us. Please make sure you register for that. It's going to be at uh, Toti High with the City Hill and and Toti guys. Then uh, from this coming Wednesday, we are very excited to announce that Russell and Sharon Armstrong are going to be starting another home group at church on a Wednesday morning, 10 o'clock. So that's for the guys that uh, don't want to get out at night, that can't travel out at night. Uh, please come and chat with them uh, with details how that's going to look forward. But we're very excited and bless you guys for that. So, yeah, awesome. And then, yeah, uh, what, a, what a privilege and an honor it is to have Donnie and Runel with us this morning. Maybe, um, can I ask both of you to come up? Runel, could you join Donnie? So just so the guys online can see you as well. Um, so Donnie and Runel has been in ministry for, I think we're saying about 25 years already. You just want to come up. Yeah, thank you. And uh, they've got a massive footprint in, in uh, the city of Durban. And so it's a, it's a real privilege and an honor that we get to share in that inheritance today. And so welcome to you guys. It's so great to have you here. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Good. So Donnie, when you're ready, we're going to hand over to you. Uh,
1: Good morning. So in the first meeting, there were horses that came past. I don't know what's going to come past second meeting. I don't know if we're going to top that. Motorbikes. But yeah, a very good morning to you this morning uh, for the guys online. What a privilege for us to be here. Um, it, it definitely looks much better when Renault is standing next to me, I think even online. But uh, we wanted to just send our greetings to you from Tyron Daniel, who leads NCMI. We had a kind of virtual Team meeting on Thursday, and uh, we want you to know that you are part of something that is global, part of something that's bigger. Jesus is on a project; he's on a mission of making disciples of all nations, and so uh, you're part of that. Local churches, just like this, all over the world, Jesus is building them, and he's using them to reach out to people with the gospel and to make disciples. So. Thank you for what you are doing here in Amandam Toti. We, we appreciate that. Um, we're doing what God's calling us to do in Durban. You've got to work here. Get behind these guys that are leading and do uh, what Jesus is calling you to do. We also want to say to Greg and Lori, just, uh we so appreciate the way that you guys are leading this team and leading this church. is a great, great example. Uh, I think you guys are absolutely super blessed to have leaders like this who put Jesus in the front. Uh, I was saying, I watched um, one of Greg's early preachers during the pandemic online, and it was so powerful that the backdrop began to fall down and things began to move. I don't know if you saw that movie, but it was powerful. And and so we're truly, truly grateful for leadership. We're truly grateful for what God is doing with you a couple of guys from City Life here. They're not here to hear me preach. They hear me preach all the time. They're here to tell you that we love you. So that's why they've come, just to tell you that. So, um, Awesome. So this morning we want to talk about Jesus, and I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to share the word. Father, we thank you for the incredible privilege of your word. Your word is living and active. Lord, it's able to go deeper than our minds. It goes right into our soul. And it's able to adjust us and change us, transform us. And so my prayer this morning really is, Lord, that I would only speak that which you want to speak. Lord, I really want to get out of the way so that we can see Jesus in a fresh way, in a new way this morning. Because, Jesus, you are that living word when we see you we are changed. When we behold you with unveiled faces, we are transformed. May we see you, Jesus. May you speak to us this morning. May you encourage this local church, Lord, as a lampstand that you've planted here with your purpose and your intentions. Lord, would you even prophetically stir up some of the things that you've spoken over this community, Lord, that lie dormant and activate them again. Just activate them by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Will you speak? Will you move, Holy Spirit? Beyond the words I can say, have your way in your church, your beautiful bride. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title this morning I've picked is Keep Following, and uh, I mean Keep Following Jesus. And I hope you're going to follow what I have to say, but keep following Jesus, and it's it's a great subject for your preach, because you can basically pick anywhere in the Bible, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? I'm going to focus specifically this morning on um, this part of what Jesus does in Psalm 23 verse 3, where it says, He refreshes my soul. Now you might think that God is only interested in my spirit, but actually God is interested in my body, soul, spirit, mind, every part of me. He loves every part of me. And uh, what He wants to do is this work in my soul where He refreshes or restores, as the NIV says. Of course, that psalm, there's a condition attached to this restoring work that He does, and that is that you let Him lead you, that you let Him guide you, that you let Him make you lie down if you need to lie down, because He makes me lie down. And that's the condition. And so this morning, I really want to talk about Jesus as King. Many people have a revelation of Jesus that is the savior and a teacher, and those are great. That's all part of who he is, but he is a king, and he requires us to follow him because he is king. And so I'm going to use an Old Testament story. Again, this morning, it's a story of David, um, but I'm not going to focus too much on David. I'm going to focus on the way David leads the people around him. And for me, David is a picture or shadow of Jesus. And that's the way we should read our Old Testament. When you read it, you're looking for the for for Jesus on those pages. Those are all shadows of Jesus. And so when I see a shadow of a thing, it kind of gives me the shape of it. It's not perfect, but I see the the size and the shape and also where that that object is positioned. And so David is a shadow. Jesus is the son of David. And so as we look at David we we're going to use him as a picture of Jesus. Not perfect picture, but definitely a picture of Jesus. Okay? So 1 Samuel, chapter 30, in verse 6, it says, David was greatly distressed, for the people were talking of stoning him. So this is, if we're using David as a picture, this is a picture of people that are a little bit annoyed with following David at this point. And it says, because all of them were bitter in soul, each of them for his sons and his daughters. It's amazing that a whole group of people could feel the grief and the pain so much in their hearts that it could cause them to want to not follow this King David anymore. Now at this point, I want to remind you that David had been anointed by Samuel to be the next king. And this group of men, they had left everything to come and follow this David because Samuel anointed him as God's king. And there was a promise of the kingdom coming in their lives. Can you see the picture? And so uh, at this point they're a little bit upset. But what we read further in the story is that when all the people left each for their home in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 43, those men would have been in that group and their homes are still standing, which tells me their families survived that ordeal where they wanted to stop following Jesus. And also in 1 Chronicles 11 verse 10, it says, These were the chiefs of David's mighty men. Together with all Israel, they gave his kingship strong support to extend it over the whole land as the Lord promised. And those guys would have also been part of that group that continued to extend the kingdom and live for the things that God has promised. My heart this morning really is for people who have started following Jesus and maybe have got to a point where they're asking the question, what's the point of keep following Jesus? There's something that's happened in their heart. There's something that's happened in their soul. Sometimes it's just life that is difficult but i want to encourage you this morning if you're feeling like giving up following will you just carry on following because for those men there was hope for them there was hope for their families there was hope for them to continue counting for jesus you know i'm amazed that majority of the army of god find themselves today outside of local churches like this isn't it crazy So many people who once followed Jesus are no more playing a part in extending his kingdom or maybe have seen their families fall apart. And my heart is, man, we've got to keep following Jesus because he can restore our soul no matter what it is that we face. Um, Do you know that Jesus was really... uh, He was mocked for, for calling himself a king. In fact, he was crucified for calling himself a king many hated him for calling himself king many disapproved or ignored him but he is a king and I was saying that you know there was a time when, when David was anointed to be uh, this king and not many people recognized it but then there came a time when it was man it was undisputed even among the nations that David was God's king And we can't only follow Jesus when everything goes right. We've got to follow him because God appointed him as the king of the nations. And we submit to his authority and we follow him because we know in the end he will lead us to that glorious, wonderful kingdom. The story of David, think about it, even the story of Goliath starts with a a dad, Jesse, if you read the Bible. It's a dad, Jesse, who has some boys on the front line. And you remember Goliath standing there and he's shouting all kinds of things and has absolutely paralyzed the army of God. That's a picture of sin, you know. Um, Humanity, we have answers for just about everything, but the one thing we don't have an answer for is sin. And God so loved the world. It was a father who have a concern for his children. What he sent us was his anointed son, Jesus. King of kings. Lord of lords. And he sent him to that battlefront here on earth to conquer sin. And not the way that we maybe thought he would have. You know, like David took one stone with a sling. It's like, you know, God's power is so amazing that I don't even think he flexes his muscle. And he can defeat the things that can't defeat us. It's incredible. David takes one little stone and he defeats um, Goliath. And the people of God surged forward. There was a day in my life when I realized that Jesus Christ had conquered my sin. What I wrestled with for so long that held me back and stopped me. I realized Jesus had paid the price. And at that day, my life surged forward. But that was also the beginning of a journey of following Jesus as king. And you know, everything didn't go right from that moment. There are many days where my heart and my soul, I felt like these guys. God, you're calling me to follow you, but it's hard. These guys had had faced some challenges. And so I want to encourage you today, um, don't stop following. You know, these were mighty men around David. They were breakers. Is there such a thing in Toti? I've heard they live here. These are mighty men. And the Bible says that they wept till they had no strength left in them. You know, they had faced some challenges before. But this day, they got to a point where they just said, I I can't Second service is definitely more Afrikaans. I don't know why. Maybe I'm feeling something. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? You know, as followers of Jesus, we can face things and we shoulder them, and we shoulder them, and we shoulder them. But then sometimes there's days we just feel like, Lord, my soul is empty, and I need you to restore the soul part of me. Um, Hebrews chapter four, sixteen. It says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's amazing that we approach a throne, we approach a king, and the first thing that the king extends to us is mercy. Mercy is not giving us what we deserve, but grace is giving us what we don't deserve. And grace you have to find. You have to stand in it. You have to live in it. Which means, uh, uh, you know... um I can't allow the things that come into my life. I can miss the grace of God and let a, a bitter root grow up. That's what Hebrews says. You can just miss it. You can, the grace of God is there to be found. And yet as life goes on and life gets hard and pain comes my way, it's sometimes I can get to a point where I'm not standing in the grace of God anymore, but I've missed that grace. Even though He's shown me mercy, I miss that grace. And this root of bitterness wants to just grow up. And it says that can actually cause a problem for many. If you think that your soul part doesn't impact your spiritual part, I just want to say, Jesus said in in Mark chapter 14 verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus himself said this. In fact, when the disciples fell asleep, it wasn't because it, I mean, it says in, in Luke twenty-two, forty-five, he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. Now I wonder how many of you guys, if Jesus was here and he said, guys, I need you right now. Jesus, the son of God, the one who Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to my father in heaven. If he stood here and he said, can you just pray with me for an hour? I wonder what that prayer meeting would be like. I would be like, oh, Lord, yes. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. The guys were sleeping. And you wonder why they were sleeping. Well, the Bible tells you they were exhausted from sorrow. There was an emotional drain, a mental drain on them because Jesus was talking about his suffering and his crucifixion and it just became like, it became a drain to them. And remember, those disciples they followed Jesus because God said, this is my anointed king. Now they're facing some trouble. Do you know that in Numbers uh, ele- 9 verse 11, they would celebrate the um, unleavened feast with, with this lamb and bread and bitter herbs. There's a the thing about following Jesus where there's a chance always of bitterness getting into your heart and disappointment. I was saying to the guys earlier, there was this test for an unfaithful wife in the Old Testament. Where, uh, and then suddenly someone brought me water. So I'm thinking back now, what's going on here? But the test was basically she'd come to the priest and then he takes this water. He writes on a scroll They washed the scroll off that goes into the water, a bit of dust from the floor, and they called it bitter water. And they gave it to this lady to drink, and if she was guilty, there's a curse that comes on her, and all sorts of things happening. But if she's innocent, she drinks this bitter water, and actually nothing really happens. Isn't that a beautiful picture to say, you see, when I've received mercy from Christ... All the things that causes the world to be so bitter, it's not like like I'm exempt from them, but I I, I experience them, but I don't allow them to take root in my life because it's going to cause a problem. All right, so I'm going to to quickly take you through 10 things that happened to these men for them to get to this point. Good, strong, solid men recognized David was the king. They they signed up to follow him, but there were 10 things that happened to to them. And I find it very helpful to recognize these things in my own life because when I go through them, I realize this is taxing on my soul. And I need to go to Jesus and I need to ask him to restore my soul. And um, so I've followed these. I've done kind of bit of homework for you but I'm encouraging you to go and read the story at home anyway and and it'll become clearer for you I followed this group of guys there are about four to six hundred of them who early on followed Jesus and I hope that when we get to heaven you and I can say yep we followed him during the pandemic and now that it's undisputed that he's king of kings and lord of lords yep we followed him when no one believed he was king That's what I want. And I'm hoping today that you won't give up following Jesus, but that you'd keep on following him. Simple, but I really feel like God wants to encourage you with this. Okay, So the first thing that happened to these men, who are these men? So remember, God anoints uh, David to be king through Samuel, and this anointed son goes to the battle line. He conquers Goliath. And these guys, they saw something in him that they said, Let's go follow him. So they gather around David. Saul is persecuting him, but, but he, he goes to this cave of Adullam. And it says there in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, All who were distressed, all who were in debt, all who were discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. How many of you would like followers like that? Everyone in debt everyone discontented well that's exactly what we were before Jesus stepped into our lives but the thing I want to say here is that surely they had some expectations I'm in debt that's the king I'm sure he's going to sort it out for me I'm discontented I'm unsatisfied I'm sure if I, if I many people take on Jesus thinking he's going to fix everything instantly you know and so I think there's some unmet expectations in these. guys. remember, I'm building you up to that point where they cried so much that they picked up stones, literally, to throw it at the man who Samuel said, this is God's anointed king. It's pretty radical. I know so many people. You, you, you can't talk to them about God. What you get is a rock. You can't even talk to them about church. There's another rock. It's like they've got a rock in their back pocket. It's like they've got a bag of rocks. My heart goes out to them. Because I think they they got to a point where they're just like, I can't anymore. My heart is for us to push through that. All right? So firstly, let's just be real. I had certain things in my life before I met Jesus that I was hoping Jesus would resolve instantly, and sometimes they don't get resolved instantly. Sometimes he calls me to follow him, and he knows what's best. And because he's king, he just asks me to follow. And so these guys, uh, you know, they must have had hurts. They must have had rejection. They must have been neglected. They must have had problems. And they were thinking, if I follow Jesus, all my problems will go away, and it didn't. Secondly, there's some persecution that comes from following David. David. Um, I was telling the story earlier that, that when David ran away from Saul, there was this little town called Nob, and there were about 80 priests there, remember? And David was in a hurry. He came there. They gave him Goliath's sword. They gave him bread, helped the men and everything, and David went on his way. And then Saul came after that town, and he killed all of them. One guy escapes, right? And he, he, you can imagine him. I mean, the clothes is torn, he's got the fright of his life, they've just killed everybody in his town. And these guys who are following David are standing around with David, and this guy comes to David, and he, he says to David, this is what happened, and David responds to him like this in 1 Samuel 22, he says, I'm responsible for the death of your whole family. It's my fault your family died. Who wants to follow a guy like that? Well, remember, Jesus said, if you love your father or your mother or anyone else more than me, you're not worthy to follow me. There is some persecution that comes from following Jesus. And people don't realize this, but it causes a bit of stress. This is all within the will of God. Let me just say that. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. If the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. Hate. Strong word. Not the world will tolerate us and they'll put up with us while we get on with the business of the kingdom. No, no. They will hate us. And so these men... I think they just misunderstood a little bit here what it means of following this king, but he's helping them. Thirdly, they were in difficult conditions for a long period of time. Are you are you following me? I'm talking about what leads to that point where people want to give up following Jesus, and then how do we get over that? That's what we want to talk about. Well, David stayed in the wilderness, strongholds, and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Ziph, I don't know. It's a toady word, maybe. Day after day, Saul searched for him, uh, but God didn't give David into his hands. Isn't it amazing? You're in a wilderness, you're in a desert, you're following the king, God's anointed king. And day after day, it's uncomfortable, it's hot, there's no water, it's just challenging, it's just challenging, it's just not letting up. I think these guys didn't just one day pick up stones to throw at David. I think they didn't anticipate how difficult it is sometimes to follow Jesus. That's why sometimes he makes me lie down. The fourth thing, the stress of too many close calls. Uh, The one day Saul was chasing David and these men. Remember, I'm following all this group of men and I'm watching how David led them. And I'm watching how he helped them through that their families were still intact and that they still kept counting for the kingdom in the end. That's what we want to find out. Too many close calls. The one, one time, you remember Saul was after David and his men and there was a mountain in the, in, and literally David and his men were creeping around the one side and Saul and his army was on the other side. And they literally just went past each other like this. I mean, you literally if you stepped on a, I don't know, Branch. Stress. Why? Because it feels like your life is hanging just by a thread. Any little mistake now could cost us everything. It's not like we're going through a season like that, right? I'm just saying these guys. See, we have to process some of this because I tell you, some people exposed to this kind of stress for a very long time just end up going into depression and you internalize it and you just put it down there. But this king restores my soul. That's why I can keep following him. That's why the world can look at us and say, how, how can you still follow Jesus? Absolutely, Yes. The stress of perceived injustice. Now, we sang it this morning. God is perfectly just. He's never unjust. But sometimes, I feel like He is. And so did these guys. Now, some of you are shocked. I'm just being real. David and his men are hiding in the back of the cave, and Saul comes in to relieve himself. Remember that? Remember that? And the men say to David, this is your chance. This is God. Take him out. This is the guy causing all the problems for us. This is why we're in the wilderness. This is why we're in the desert. This is why we're suffering. Just I don't know if you've ever asked God to do that. Lord, there's this person. And if ever is a good time, Lord, this is a good time. He has your chance. Like, Lord, I mean, really. This is your opportunity. This is, maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a thing. Like, Lord, you can just do this one deal. And save my business, you can... Lord, this one opportunity, Lord, this is your chance. Can you please take care of it? And David stops his men, and what's the funny thing here is, it says that he, 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 he sharply rebukes his men. He says, actually, hang on, there's an issue in your own heart. You you're trying to touch the Lord's anointed, what he means is you're trying to fight God in this thing. Let God be God. So, so <sighs> it feels like, Lord, it's a bit unfair. Because they're doing whatever they want to. Saul's carrying on however he wants to. And here I am trying to do the right thing. And you let him go. <laughs> Why do you let him go, Lord? And God turns to you and says, Listen, actually there's something in your heart here. <laughs> Like, oh, Lord, help me. And then there's... So I can imagine these men following David and thinking like, this is very different to what I thought it was going to be. But you've got to follow to the end. I'm telling you, you will not regret following Jesus when he, if he came tomorrow on the clouds and makes all things new you want to be one of those who said we didn't stop following you I'm sure in David's kingdom these guys with the rocks would have said like David, I hope you never mentioned that day you know when the rock thing and all these mighty men in his kingdom now the kingdom's expanded and extended and they would have probably just like can we not talk about the rock thing like Peter, you know, when he sees Jesus. Can we maybe not talk about that one time? And Jesus is like, do you love me? We've got to talk about this. For your sake, Peter. So that when I go and you lead the church, there's no doubts because I've restored your soul. Confidence. Uh, I think it was stressful for them to watch David show mercy to the wrong people. Because Saul goes outside of the cave. You remember that story? And he says, please, David, promise me that you're not going to kill my descendants and my children. And will you swear an oath to me? And he swears an oath. And these guys are like, what? And Saul goes back to the palace. And they go back to the? (laughs) Back to the wilderness. Back to the cave. Back to the desert. Sometimes I think, I think. God shows mercy to the wrong people, but he never does. But it's the stress of my humanity that I'm battling with. False accusations, and I'm, you know, I've got to carry on quickly. The story of Nabal, go and read it. Um, they guard Nabal's fields, Nabal's just a guy. And then Nabal turns on them and accuses them of being rebels. You can go and read it. It's false accusations. Nabal was a very shrewd guy. You know, it's funny sometimes the people that come across our paths that, that seem to have no regard for the hard work that we put in and the effort we make sometimes. Sometimes they can just accuse us and cut us. Um, you know, this guy just says to him, You're a rebel, bro. You're, you're rebelling against the king false accusation now the men were right there in fact david sent those men and nabal sent them back empty handed saying you are the rebels when actually it was Saul persecuting them falsely accusing them the betrayal uh, or fearing the betrayal of of other people don't you find it hard when you're forced to trust people you're forced to trust them so for a year and 4 months david and his men live in philistine territory and what they do is they go and wipe out these philistine villages that's what they do the philistines think they're going to the israelites but they're actually going to the philistines and they're wiping out these towns but they have to wipe out every single person because if one guy escapes and tells that what they're doing it's over and so you can imagine them sitting around the fire at night saying i hope you're not going to talk about this to the philistines because then we're all done We're forced to have to trust people We've never trusted before They were the guys who were in debt Discontented Now you're forced to trust them With your life It's super stressful Anyway, maybe for you it's not Maybe we can trust everyone in Toti That's why you guys are such good people man. And Durban it's not like that And then difficult choices forced upon us. One day the Philistines say, okay, we're going to fight Israel. And since you guys have been living here with us, we're going to go and fight the very place where David and his men were going to go and establish the kingdom. Your own brothers now, you have to go and fight them. That's a hard choice to make. I want to say leading a church during this time is absolutely challenging. So we're forced to, to have to trust people maybe we, we haven't trusted before. We're forced to make decisions that are so difficult and so hard. One way it will seem like we're siding with the enemy. The other way it will seem like we're neglecting our f- fellow Christians. I don't know. Some answers, isn't it correct? It's just like there's no plain answer. We've got to trust the king. We've got to keep following the king even when it's hard. And so, what's uh, super cool about this is that the Philistines say, "Okay, you're gonna—you know this is not going to work. You guys go back home." And these guys follow David home, and when they get home, that's when they face this personal tragedy: their own wives and children have been taken by the Amalekites. See, when your soul is depleted and then you face a personal tragedy, that's when you cry till you have no more strength left in you. That's when you feel like, Lord, what is the point? I've been trying so hard to follow you all this time. What is going on? They came back and uh, it was a personal disaster, financial loss for them. Relatives were taken... The torture of feeling helpless to be able to help them. Can you imagine your wife and your kids being taken hostage and you have absolutely no power to change that? I think for these big strong men it was just too much. At that point they had a decision to make. Do we keep following Or do we turn back? Where do we go, Lord? You have the words of life. Where do we go? Remember that? A lot of people turn back from following Jesus. It's too hard. My encouragement to you is keep following. It gets better. This point, honestly, guys, is a a point for some people where they feel suicidal. This is a point where they feel like there is no. There's a deep, dark despair that can come over you at this point. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I tell you, this is real. And it's the soul part. And I feel like Jesus is saying to His people, He wants to restore our soul. And so David begins to lead these guys. He doesn't stop leading them. And the first thing he does, and it's a well-known scripture for us, but it says, David found strength in the Lord is God, 1 Samuel 30. You're going to do your homework tonight, right? You're going to read through 45 chapters of this. Are you guys well-trained, Greg? Amazing stories here. But remember I said, whenever you read your Old Testament, you're reading, Testament, you're reading the Gospel, you're looking for Christ on the pages. And it's a shadow, and you can see it in the New Testament. It becomes clearer to me. When I read this and I realize some days, Lord, I feel like this. I do. But the first thing David does is he finds strength in the Lord his God. What he's showing his men is that you can find comfort from God even when you feel hopeless. You can. 2 Corinthians 1 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Listen here. He comforts us. Yes, he's the Savior. Yes, He's the Lord. Yes, He's the King. And He comforts us in our trouble. You can find strength in God that is outside of the strength you have in a time of trouble. Secondly, He asks God, You know, he calls the priest and he says, is there something I should do about this situation? Many times we just stop there. We just, this happened and that happened and the people I trusted let me down and I followed Jesus and the breakthrough didn't come and I've just been suffering day after day in this horrible desert and he hasn't done what he said he would do and the kingdom hasn't broken in yet. We don't ask, Lord, is there something you want me to do? And David leads his men in this way that he says, let's ask God, shall we pursue this raiding party? Now remember, those guys had been raiding for miles. They just happened to come upon the village where David and his men stayed, and that was part of it. So these guys were a massive party of plunder. The PPs. PPEs. No, no, that doesn't work. Plunder. Parting, anyway, plundering party. (laughs) You add whatever you want, right? Um, So he asks God and God says, yes, go after them. And so David takes the men and uh, I was saying this earlier on just to mention it. Isn't it encouraging just when God speaks? Sometimes we don't even want to hear him. We're so down. We don't even want to hear Him. But you know what? It's so encouraging just to hear Him. Just the fact that He speaks. So personally. And the fact that we're here today, I don't think it's a chance. But God's trying to tell you something. You, you Just listen to what He's saying. And so, of course, they pursue Him. But 200 of the guys, you remember the story, got so exhausted they couldn't keep up, so they stayed with the bags the other four hundred and I know why they are exhausted. They just drained, drained. When you drained, you can't do even what God tells you to do. You just you run out of energy. The other four hundred go, four hundred of them go, four hundred, and God brings about a mighty victory. I mean, it's plunder deluxe. It's PPE for everyone. And these four hundred guys come back, and you know what they do? Because they're so stressed. They say to the 200 guys, you didn't come to the prayer meeting. You weren't praying this whole time. You're parking with the bags. Nothing for you. There's your wife and your children and that's it. We can get like that, even Christians. (laughs) And I love what David does. The way he leads them is he says, okay guys, we are going to make this a statute today. We're going to make this an ordinance The ones who go, the ones who stay, share alike. What I want you guys to do is show some unmerited favor to these guys. Show grace. Why? Because it's good for your soul. I can see you hurting. Isn't that funny when people are harsh? It's because they're hurting. And the best thing you can do is actually just show grace grace to someone else you know why it's important and why it's good for your soul because it helps you to remember how amazing god's grace is towards us so david says forgive them for their imperfections man realize they're only people give them grace show them some extravagant kindness it'll be good for your heart Quickly, moving on. The fourth thing, I'm saying these are things that you can go over them, read the story again. They're pretty practical, but if you can do this, I'm telling you, when you face these things, you'll go to Jesus and ask Him, Lord, please make sure that I don't make big decisions based on where my emotions are. Because there is a King and a kingdom coming. And I want to be part of that. Amen? Number four, learn the joy of giving again. What David does is he just takes all this plunder and he says, not like, ah, great. I've got all the PPEs. In fact, he says, let's give. Let's give to all the places where we've lived and all the places where we've worked. Let's just bless these guys. Let's just, in this time, let's be generous. Let's open our hands. Why is he doing this to his men? Now, you can remember, they were in the desert. They were suffering. There was not much going around. Nabal wouldn't give them anything. It was just like a season of not enough. And now we finally got enough. Now you're telling us to give it away. Well, David says, you know what? It's God who gave us this. Take some of it and give it away. Oh, man, I tell you what we need during this season when people are so harsh and so close-handed and, and, and we just got to gotta break it. You know how we break it? We, we open our hands. God loves a cheerful giver. He just loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because He's a cheerful giver. He's a cheerful giver. He gave His Son, not grudgingly, you know that. Jesus holds no grudges. Even the people who don't receive the offer of salvation, no grudge in his heart. His righteous wrath, yes, because God will always judge sin. Jesus rose from the dead. He wasn't like grudge, grudge, grudge. Fifth thing, he taught them how to mourn. Is that all right with you? Please, as followers of Jesus, we are more like God when we give than any other thing because God so loved the world that he gave not to get. I feel like one of the things God is really doing with us, most certainly in my life during this time, is just don't just do things to get things. Don't just love people to get something. Love them to be able to give something unconditionally with no strings attached. When you preach, when you share, when you love, when you pray, when you care, when you sow, unconditionally, so good for you. I know sometimes we think, like, if I just hold on, it's going to make me happy. Proverbs talks about that man, isn't it? There's a guy who's generous, and he just it just keeps coming. There's another the guy who holds on, and he's just wanting... His need just gets greater. He taught them how to mourn. This is the fifth thing. Now I think this is, we, we have to learn how to do this well. We have to learn how to mourn. We have to learn how to grieve. David took all the men with him. And you see in all these passages, David is not just doing it. He's taking those same men who wanted to stone him. And he's saying, let me, let me lead you. Let me show you. It's a picture of Jesus. Let me show you. There's life beyond wanting to give up. Just push on a little bit further. And and this particular time it says that he took his clothes and the men with him and he tore them. And they mourned and they wept and they fasted. This was the day when Saul and his army was defeated by the Philistines. Now you might think, yay, it's finally over. Saul's done. David says to them, no, no, no. Today we're going to grieve. And it says that we're going to grieve for Saul. I've grieved over the last while, even for unsaved people who've lost during this time. It's so good for you. David says we're going to grieve for Saul. We're going to grieve for Jonathan. You know, Jonathan, there's a passage... In Samuel, Second Samuel, one, where it says, "How the mighty have fallen! Jonathan last slain in the heights." I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You are very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of a woman. Now, you got to understand. This guy and David were like this. We grieve for the unsaved. We grieve for the ones close to us. It says that he said. We grieve for the army of the Lord. I hope we're grieving for other churches also. For the army of God. And it says we're going to grieve for the nation of Israel. Now it's funny. It was only Jonathan that was close to him. But uh, that day, David said, we're going to cry. We're going to mourn proper from morning till evening. A lot of you. In fact, if you read the scripture, it says... He took up a lament concerning Saul. And he said, you're all going to learn this sad song. We're going to sing this sad song today. And we're going to cry. We're going to cry for this. We're going to cry for that. We're going to cry. We're going to cry. And you know what? When we get up, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because if you mourn properly, if you grieve properly... You get up from there. And you can make the sober adjustments in your life... To make good decisions... But if you never grieve, or if you grieve wrongly, you stay at that point. You all right? So David is, David is expressing feelings, eh? He's expressing his, his heart, his soul. He's preaching it. I mean, you just confused me there. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you'll have to try and delete or something. I don't know. Anyway. The sixth thing. I'm sorry. I, I'm just taking a little bit more time, Greek. He takes his men and he says, let's settle in Hebron. And Hebron just means... The, the Hebrew word is haver, which is friendships or relationships. And I want to say, often when we face challenges or we're grieving, the last thing we, th- we feel like is relationships. But I want to encourage you, if you follow Jesus, open your heart to those who God will bring into your life that, that, that are relationships that can help you just move forward in the things of God. Don't be too closed. Um, Seven, resist celebrating vengeance. I'm really just going to mention that one. You can read the story between Job and Abner, and how um, Joab bears a grudge against Abner for killing his young brother, and and David refuses to celebrate that. Proverbs 24:17. Don't gloat when your enemy falls. You think it's so, you'll be so happy, but I promise you, it doesn't do you any good. Number eight, find a new challenge in God. Uh, And I I was saying a faith challenge. Um, What David does to his men is, you know, before anyone lived in Jerusalem, the Jebusites were there and everyone said, you can never take that town. And what David does to his men is he says, whoever will lead the battle, you'll become the commander of the army. So he throws out a challenge to them. Now I want to say to you guys and girls, all the disappointments and everything we faced... God is still a God who does miracles. God is still a God who does the impossible. And let's not stop trusting God for those faith challenges in our lives, especially when we feel like all we want to do is sit down and do nothing. The ninth one, and I'm almost done. You've never had a preacher have 20 points. I'm sorry. Focus on the presence of God above everything. You know the trouble David went through to get the presence of God to where those men were. He fought for them to be in the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? That's what he was really doing. And sometimes it's not you know, that we need to focus on the breakthrough and what needs to be happening and what's missing and what's wrong and what they're not doing and what they should be doing. And just we've got to fight for the presence of God. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And last one, and I'm done. um, David taught his men how to celebrate. Proper. Uh, in second Samuel six fourteen, David wearing a linen ephod, he danced before the Lord with all his might. David was a warrior, he was a strong man. When he danced with all his might, it probably it was probably radical to watch. But the joy his men got from watching him celebrating, I think is refreshing. I think our kids love it. You know those moments when we cry? We must do it well for our kids. And when we celebrate, we must do it so well. There's nothing that makes a child happier than to see their parents enjoying themselves. Can we just celebrate God again over this season? Can we honestly, with all our might... Whenever God does something, even a small thing, even just to be together, even just the restrictions are lifted, can we just say, praise you, God? Can we just say the fact that we can worship, the fact that we are together, In a, I mean, whatever it is, can we be those who celebrate with all our might? Whatever God does, His presence, His power, when one gets Born again, you know, heaven has a party. Why? It's a culture of celebration. It's just like one God saved, guys. Let's rejoice. I don't know about you, but um, sometimes our picture of Jesus can be. I don't know, but I think he can celebrate. I think he's a joyful person. Honestly, fullness of joy. If that comes from him, I, I, I can imagine in heaven you know it's going to be the biggest celebration is to watch him celebrate the wedding it's finally come dad it's finally come she's here she's ready she's here I don't think he's going to sit down and like okay that's nice good job man when I got married I was happy Until I went outside and they painted the car, and that's another story. Can we stand? Is it okay for me to pray, Greg? I'll ask Greg if I can just pray for you, and then I'm done. Hmm. You just open your heart to Jesus. Lots have been offloaded, but there's something in it that God wants to speak to you. Lord, I thank you for this local church. Thank you for every battle that's been fought for the king and his kingdom. I thank you for every time where these guys could have given up, but they've pushed through following you, Jesus. Lord, I pray, will you restore just our emotional and mental strength over this time, our soul, our faith? Will you just encourage us, Lord? Will you lead us? And if you want to make us lie down, Lord, we lie down. If you want to, Lord, guide us, we, we just say yes, Lord. You lead us, we say yes, Jesus. We follow you. We're going to follow you to the end, Lord. Help us. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy, Lord. We're more hard on our souls than even you are. Will you release us from that? Will you set us free? Will you let your grace flow? And Lord, will you allow this church to continue fighting for every part of the inheritance that you've given her? Will you keep every family? Lord, honestly, I pray this. Every marriage, all the children, parents, just, Lord, will will you guard us? Let's put your blood over us, Lord. Every family. So that as we follow you, Jesus, even through the the, the challenging times, that in the end we know we'll we'll be seated with you, Lord. That wedding feast at your right hand and reign with you for all eternity. That day there'll be no questions asked. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess he is the king like he said he is in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
0: Donnie, and I thank you so much. That was an incredible time, incredible word. Um, as just as Donnie was talking through these points, I was just so reminded that for us as a church, this is something that that I feel is adding to our tank. And as we as we know Jesus, and as we learn through journeying with Him, may may just this word encourage you today again, strengthen us, and as we make Him known, may we use these same points in the example as. Donnie just illustrated to us again. Just fuel us to push forward as a base church, looking at our vision. As each of these chairs, it just speaks to us. And I hope it encourages you to just let's partner with God. And as we partner together, uh, great things are to come. So, uh, yeah, can we honor Donnie Reynolds? Thank you so much <clears throat> for praying for you. and. Uh, I'd just like to pray for you guys as we end off, Father. We, we thank you for this couple, God. May you just take them from strength to strength, God. Thank you for their deposit to us as a church, Lord. And would you, uh, would you just, uh, Father, just inject, God, just your spirit again into city life. God, may you just cause them to have such an impact in their community, God. And we are so excited to see them grow and flourish there, Lord. May you add unto them, God. May you strengthen them, Lord. And we are just, we want to celebrate, and we are celebrating what what you are doing and what you are still to do, God, uh, through your precious Son in Jesus' mighty name. We say, Amen and Amen. Bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Uh, We look forward to seeing you again next week. As you can see, more space and. Yeah, let's press on. Let's contend for the things. So bless you. Go well. We'll see you soon. The guys online, bless you. Thanks, eh?